Hey folks, welcome back to the DC3 Cast. My name is Brian. With me, as always, are Vince and Zach. And we are here to talk about the comics coming out on July 20th, 2021. Starting with the comic that Vince has been hoping and praying for for many years. Blue and Gold, number one. Why, why are you saying that? Uh, because it's true. Written by Dan Jurgens, illustrated by Ryan Sook. And uh, I, I'm just I'm just going to read one sentence from my note from my notes here, and then I'm going to let you guys talk about this. Uh, in response to Booster Gold saying bros before rose short for heroes, mm-hmm. I just wrote Jesus take the wheel. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Yeah, Vince, this is your favorite book of the week. Go off. No, I did not like this. Um, oof. I, I think this was bad. This was abysmal. This is yeah. terrible. Poor Ryan Sook. Uh-huh. What did he ever do to anybody to deserve being the artist on this shit comic? <laughs> this is the creative team that they had to wait for for this book to happen. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh-huh. I don't even... I'm a big fan of Sook, and I don't even think he's doing like full Sook. I agree. Here, yeah, I agree. I mean, would you? I mean, I don't know. I don't. I don't know what he's got to work with script wise, but like, do you think all of those little um, the chat comments are in the script? Oh, they 100 percent are. Did you notice how many of those were Jurgen's references? Yeah. Like zero hour zero, doomsday, zero hour doomsday. Uh, someone goes Superman, like Bibbo in there, like twice. Yeah. In the issue. Um, how many? How, also, at least three reference deep fakes. There's several talking about fake faking the moon landing. Yep. Um, they when just so, kind of repeat after a while. When someone said like, um, Booster Gold and Blue Beetle were in the Justice League, they're like, yeah, with a Maxima. A character we definitely have talked about in the last thirty years, like yeah. it, it, it's just all referencing all of Jurgen's stuff, and it sucks. This is a bad, bad comic. Uh huh. Yeah. Who's um? Who's uh? Who's who's on the, who's on uh, Booster Gold OnlyFans or whatever this is? Yeah. And making Butch and Sundance and Abbott and Costello references. Yeah, exactly. Um, it's just, I mean, right up front, it's just not funny. Um, and I think that's its biggest sin. Like I, I just had a grim face while I was reading this whole thing. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> well, it it's also one of the things that Jurgens thinks is so funny that I don't think is funny at all is to make fun of anything technological by just giving it a slightly sillier name. Like, when someone references Butch and Sundance, someone goes, more like Abbott Costello, and says, who? And he says, Zoogle it. Like, yeah, that's Zoogle. supposed to be funny that Google is now Zoogle. <laughs> oh, he has, like... There's, like, 50 Nick, of them. Nick Knock, Blister, and Facebase. Yes. Terrible. And, and Terrible. instead of PayPal, it's like, please pay me. Uh-huh. It's it's all bad. It's he does it so many times and it just shows you that that's exactly what your dad does when he comes into your bedroom, you're listening yes. to a song 
And he's like, did he just say zippity doo dah? Like, no, Dad, he didn't. And it's like, I think he said zippity doo dah. Like, it's it's that's that's totally fucking what this whole book is is dumb jokes like that. It's the guy, it, Mike McCarthy, the former coach of the Green Bay Packers, used to call it the tweeter instead of Twitter. Okay, yeah. And it's that. It's just say it's just calling Twitter tweeter over and over again. This isn't really really related, but you guys will appreciate this. When huh? I was in high school. Whenever my dad would hear any music I was playing, he would imitate Beck and go, so why don't you kill me? Like that. Nice. And he just thought yep. it was it was like the biggest slam dunk on me. And uh, it pissed me off more than it should have. So <laughs> he he won, I guess. But yeah, he did. Yeah. Yeah. But this is this is Are You Winning Son, the comic. Basically. <laughs> <laughs> this is so bad. Um, but beyond that, like, I just think. I don't know. We've done like this whole thing where like, oh, th- these characters are not fit to be in the Justice League. Again, we've done that, and I, the, okay, we're doing the thing where the Justice League are assholes again. Um, I don't know, man. It's it's none of this is fresh, you know. This is really where like okay. If Dan Jurgens never wrote another comic in the rest of his life, he would be just fine. But I'm not even asking I'm not even asking for Dan Jurgens to be out of a job, right? I'm not. Like I just want if they're going to do like a modern take on something. If they're going to do like Booster Gold only fans, I want a younger person writing it who actually knows what's funny about social media you know yeah um this just this just doesn't work and it was like a, a, a chore to read i guess like technically the one thing i will say is like at least booster gold sounded like booster gold because it's a Dan Jurgens character and it's not like Tom King doing a bad, like Tom King's booster gold sucks. And yes. you know, this book may not be good, but at least this felt like booster again. I will give it that. And I would not be surprised to hear that. Um, fans who are fans of DC comics who are in the generation older than us and going back actually think that this is good because Jurgens and Jurgens style and these characters have a lot of fans for whatever reason, like a lot of fans are stuck in the past and enjoy this kind of thing. Um, but yeah, to me, this is just, I'm, I'm not going to read another issue because it's, this one was so painful to get through, especially with all those social media captions that, were just painfully unfunny and everywhere, just all over the art. <laughs> yeah, Man. It, it would have been better just to like ignore them the entire time as you as you read it. I eventually yeah. did after yeah. a page or two. I stopped. Um, but no, my, my my other note on this that that somewhat goes into what Vince was saying was, I feel like DC every now and then decides that the creator of a character is the only person who is allowed to write that character 
Like we're seeing this kind of with Johns and the JSA, where Jeff Johns did not invent the JSA, but like you know, modern JSA comics essentially are owed to Jeff Johns, and so we we are stuck without a Jeff John without a JSA book because Johns, I guess, is too busy or whatever to be writing that book, or DC doesn't want anyone but Johns to be writing the book, and I just feel like it's so frustrating because. Not that I think that there's someone out there who has, like, the priest-deathstroke run for Booster Gold in him, right? I, I mean, maybe there is, but I, I don't – I'm not holding I'm my sure breath. I'm sure someone has something that's more interesting than this, Well, that, that, that's my point. That's exactly my point, is that, like, we don't need to jump to the best comic of the – one of the best comics of the last, like, decade, decade and a half to get something that is infinitely more interesting and enjoyable than this heck give booster gold to jeremy adams yeah sure now my question is are we ever going to see a non jurgens written booster series until boost until jurgens dies or, <laughs> or, or retires i'm sure we will eventually yeah tom king yes Oh, you're right. He's probably going to do the next Booster Gold series, and it'll be it'll be uh, there'll be, be a twelve I- issue maxi series. Yes, there'll be an issue about him and Blue Beetle like getting into a fight called Black and Blue, and it'll have uh, or so, no, rather it'll be called Blue on Black, and it'll have Kenny Wayne Shepherd lyrics because that's the sort of uninspired <laughs> shit he would do. <laughs> I knew Vince would like it'll that be, one. <laughs> it'll be called the Black Gold Dress. <laughs> It would be um, whatever it is. It'll just be a shitty poem with a bunch of comics underneath it. Uh, This blows. Let's move on from this. I'm sorry we had to read this. Um, Next up was The Flash, number 772, written by Jeremy Adams, illustrated by Will Conrad. Um, We just talked about The Flash annual last week, but I think all of us felt like this issue deserved... A little bit of our attention as well and i'm really curious to see what you guys think of this um the sort of new wally status quo that is emerging where he's essentially he you know he he is he is the flash of earth right now more or less he is also a guy who works at terrific tech just basically helping them solve problems and you know, we're we're seeing a, a lot more of sort of Wally the family man after a long time of not getting Wally with his family. So this issue, I, I don't think it was fantastic, but I think it did a nice job just introducing us to what the status quo is going forward. And I think from that vantage point, I'm very excited about the status quo. So I, I enjoyed this issue. What did you guys think of this? Zach, you go first this time. I I enjoyed this issue. I thought it was fun. Um, I also thought it was a little silly that we had to go through the whole the rigmarole of Wally finding a job when obviously this was where he was going to end up. You know, he has a lot of friends who could give him a job. Um, he doesn't have oh, to go I be a mechanic. Huh? Yeah. I loved that. It was fun. I think well, it just, he, like, he also says at one point, like, I'm not going to take a handout from anybody. Yeah. So. But then he, but then he does. Yes, exactly. I mean, I, I'm not so, saying this was the most uh, immaculately plotted comic of all time, but you know, right. Right. Um, so like, yeah, that, I mean, 
it, it i guess like my big critique of it is that like okay that's kind of someone could argue that that's sort of wasted space you know um for for more plot but it was fun i enjoyed it um this comic does a thing that is one of my favorite comic book things that i feel like we don't get as much anymore which is that weird interlude mm-hmm. in the issue with a seemingly disconnected thing that is just very cool that happens um loved that yep and no idea what that was about so uh-huh. and i love it <laughs> yeah exactly it's just yeah that was good um I'm trying to think. I didn't mind the Conrad art. I didn't think it was. Again, it's like not my. Not what I wanted. Per se. Um, but I think the coloring really helped it. I think this is the best Conrad we've seen lately. It's still not my thing, but this is better than. The earlier Will Conrad we were getting here. Mm hmm. Yeah, I'm going to send you some screenshots and have you reevaluate that. There's some faces in here that are. Of the nut variety? Not even. I, I, but I don't <laughs> Not know why. Even. As if that's something to aspire to. <laughs> well, it sure is more interesting than whatever this is that I just put in the chat. I just, I don't know what they're doing with Flash art, but it seems like they're purposely picking, like, they're purposely picking all the common DC artists who I think would be least suited for a Flash book and putting them on. I think in Lad's chat, I said it's almost as if the ghost of Dan DiDio is there trying to kill Wally again um, by putting ill-suited art on his book. Um that said, I loved the story in this issue. Um, it was a, it was an issue of Spider-Man, basically. Yeah, you're um, right. Yeah, it's right down to the rogue who has like the who has like a oh, you're so right. Like a serious issue, and then turns to crime to try to solve it. I mean, this was like, you know, if. Yeah, this is this is again, I'm going to say it again. I said it last week. Jeremy Adams is like the non-problematic Jeff Johns. (laughs) This is just a a classic like Johnsian distillation of of like. Silver Age storytelling, I think. And um, the flaming sword thing, that's that's straight out of like, yeah, that's straight out of like uh, Jack Kirby, Stan Lee type thing where, yeah, it's an interlude that seemingly has nothing to do with the rest of the issue. We'll find out later what that was. And, and not only is it just an interlude, but it's a flaming sword flying through space, which is a level of absurdity that that you only used to get in like Silver Age comics yes. i feel um the stuff where wally like got a traditional job before going to work for michael holt um yeah you're right it it, it wasn't really needed it didn't necessarily tell you anything new about wally's character 
but it was a little bit of flavoring that I, I, I think if you look at this single issue as an issue of Amazing Spider-Man, like that is an aspect that has to be there then, mm-hmm. you know, that's yeah. Peter struggling to, to find a photography job or whatever, you know? Um, I think, yeah, with, with, with art that was more suited to it, this issue would have been just like an absolute home run for what it was going for, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I was, I was thinking about the exact thing that Zach said about sort of the wasted time in this issue. And then I realized that if you were somebody who has always been a, a flash reader, but you've only been reading comics for 10 or 15 years, this might be the first time you've ever read a flash comic where he's the only flash in it. That's true. Yeah. And and so I think that you might need to have just some of these goofy moments with Wally for people just for whom Wally is a relatively new character or at least a new starring character. That you know, he he's but you've you've probably read Heroes in Crisis, you've probably read Death Metal or whatever, but in terms of a comic where Wally is the Flash, it has been since right around Final Crisis since that last happened. And that's insane. Yeah. That's a very, very long time. So I, I, I don't begrudge it for that reason. Um, we talked last week a little bit about Michael Holt being like Mr. Terrific being just basically a Flash supporting character at this point. But I think it really works for the character. I like having him around. I think he's a good foil for Wally. I do hope that Barry shows up now and then because I like that their relationship. But I'm very glad we're not getting the traditional sort of Barry like as the protective father for Wally. Um, mm-hmm. Yeah, I like this. I, I'm very excited about this run overall. I really am. Uh, anything else to add? No. I don't think so. All right, let's take a break. And when we come back, we're going to get to the Gabagool. So stay tuned. Hello, everybody. My name is Mike. And I'm Greg. And together, we are Robots from Tomorrow, a twice-weekly podcast appearing at multiversitycomics.com. Each week, we take some time to check out books and shelves on Wednesday that are worth your attention. And each month, we dissect the previous catalog. We also have long-form discussions about books we've enjoyed, like Dan Klaus' Ghost World and Jack Kirby and Mike Royer's Commanding. And if that's not enough, we also do creator interviews. Some of the talks you'll find in our archives feature Mike Mignola, Leila Del Duca, Sean Martinborough, Emma Beebe, and Greg Rucka. So that's a lot of content for everybody. Please subscribe. Subscribe to Robots from Tomorrow on iTunes or Stitcher so you never miss a thing. Robots from Tomorrow has hours of comic-focused entertainment week in and week out. And now, back to your show. And we are back with Shazam number one by Tim Sheridan and Clayton Henry. This is spinning out of the pages of Teen Titans Academy. And y'all know I'm going to gush about this in a minute. So, Zach, take it away. What would you think of this? Um, I thought it was... Good. I thought it was as good as Teen Titans Academy has been. It really felt like an offshoot of Teen Titans Academy. Um, I think it's really interesting that they are choosing to make this a um, its own miniseries rather than it being a backup in Teen Titans Academy compared to like the, the like you know what we've seen in other books. Um, it, it adds some really interesting wrinkles, I think, and maybe what we were expecting 
um, based on future state stuff. Um, I think it gave some much needed um, explanation of kind of where Wally is right now. Or not Wally, sorry, Billy. <laughs> Still stuck on Flash. Um, Billy West is somebody else. Yes, he is. Um, yeah, I don't know. I I enjoyed this issue quite a bit. Vince? Yeah, I, I liked it a lot. Um, just about as much as, as, as any issue of Teen Titans Academy, really. Um I, John showing up as Superman was a nice touch. Um, I liked that bit. Um, yes, I'm very invested in what's going on with the Rock of Eternity. It feels every Shazam thing since the New Fifty Two started has felt like a false start on the path to like a new status quo for the family or for the character, and. You know, every time we've seen them since John's brought them back in the New 52, I feel like they've just been trying to do that same thing again and again. Um, this feels like the first thing that's going to move the football forward, I think, with the character. Um, it's the first time where I'm not really sure where they're going with it. You know, I feel like the the John stuff was very much to to set the table for having Shazam stories again and due to delays and, and, and status quo changes at DC, it just never happened. Both times he tried it. Right. Um, I think we're finally, yeah, it was two. Yeah. Yeah. It was twice. It was twice. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I hope we are finally getting it. It feels like it. So go ahead. I'm sorry. No, and I was just gonna say, and Clayton Henry's art looks pretty nice. Yeah, Clayton Henry is a good fit for this book. Yeah. Um, he did that Flash Walmart book that I think um, looked really good and is sort of a, like, a, after that book, when I heard him announce in this book, oh, that makes total sense. Like, that was a good, that was a good way to, to get my mind oriented for how his art would look here. Um, so, you know, I am the Shazam boy of the bunch, for sure. And what I like about this is I like that this this seemingly does everything you would want a Shazam book to do. The totally the, whether you're an old school fan or a relatively new one. Like Billy talks about how he can't share his power right now. If you're of a certain age, that means he shares his power with Mary and Freddy. If you're a little bit younger than that, it includes all of his other foster siblings as well. Um, there's nothing in this book that really like undoes any past Shazam story, which is something that I think more writers should try to do, which is to expand a story without crossing things off. And I feel like this is a good job of doing that. I also feel like this is a story that, while it is certainly a part of Teen Titans Academy... It doesn't feel like uh, this. This issue is going to be the most Teen Titans Academy issue of the series because now we're going to get Billy leaving, and it's not going to be quite as as like rooted in that world. But I really like how connected this is to Teen Titans Academy, and I like how 
this sets the stage for beyond this title for more books to spin out of Teen Titans Academy for miniseries. Like I would love to see a miniseries for the Bat Pack down the mm-hmm. road. I would love to see a miniseries for you know, even like a new Dial H miniseries could spin out because of Miguel being on this book. So I really like the precedent this sets for future stories from this crew of characters. So, you know, there's that going forward. And the last thing I do want to say is I know that it's like both this and the flash had stuff about terminal illness this week. Like you got heat wave having a terminal illness and turning back to crime. And then here you see Freddie Freeman having a, some sort of terminal illness. And I, I totally understand if that can feel like maudlin or um, a little bit, I don't want to say over the top, but you know, could just it, it, it's they're pretty bold moves that can be read as maybe a little cheesy, or a little bit hackneyed. But I think that this issue pulled it off well. I think it was nice to see Billy like not sure how to deal with with the you know illness of a uh, of of a close friend or family member. I, I just thought overall it, it was handled pretty well, and I I really enjoyed this issue. Which will come as a surprise to absolutely no one. Um, I did want to talk about the Freddy thing since you brought that up, and especially you talking about you know the Sh- Shazam Captain Marvel fans of a certain age. That that one did that did kind of come out of left field for me because that has not been a part of the you know post New Fifty Two Johns rendition of of you know, the Shazam family dynamic. Mm-hmm. Uh, we haven't had a ton of, of like Freddie Billy stories. No, but like there, there has not been like any indication that like him sharing his power was like the only thing keeping Freddie alive. Right. Right. Um, that, that, that's not like in that incarnation really. And I, but I assume it was in previous ones. Um, no, I, I, I don't, I mean, unless you're going back to stuff that I haven't read, like I have not read all the golden age stuff, but certainly not since crisis has that been a thing. Okay. Okay. But like, Um, there, there, there was a, there was a pretty big storyline in, um, the power of Shazam series where Freddie decides for a while never to say Shazam again. He's just going to stay as Captain Marvel Jr. Because, or rather, rather, he can't say Captain Marvel because that's his his word. But um, because he's essentially like, you know, as Freddie Freeman, he is somebody who is disabled and he is somebody who is having a rough time just like getting through life. Um, and in the CM3, Captain Marvel Jr. form, he can avoid all of that. So there's been a lot about him sort of using the powers not just for good, but also to make his life easier. But that's not what's happening here. This is a very different situation than that. Okay. And then the other thing I wanted to ask in terms of like building on uh, Teen Titans Academy, have we, have we gotten very much, I, I really can't remember and I didn't get a chance to go back through and look, have we gotten a lot of much stuff about this Dane character in that book? I don't think so. But yeah, he, he has been in the book, right? He's not a completely new character. I believe so. Okay. So so I think that's a cool thing and that it's, you know, 
spilling over some characters from Teen Titans Academy that may not get as much attention, you know, plot plot may not allow them to have as much attention in that book. But like that, this character is relevant to the Billy Batson plot line. Um, and so he he's going to kind of get to do his thing here. So sure, I, I feel like I really like when writers get to spin off ideas from their main book into a side book. And I'm, I'm glad that Sheridan is getting the opportunity to do that here. Agreed. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm glad too. I'm surprised that they're giving him t- essentially two books to do this. Um, I'm glad. I think maybe they recognize how much that Teen Titans Academy book sings you know yeah um i hope so i think it really is interesting that you know they have that titans united book coming in september which is written by kevin scott um and it features a lot of the older titans characters and yeah and that's gotta be just that's gotta be one of those like um uh digital only projects turned you think so i think think so so. too i think okay okay i wasn't sure if that was supposed to be like an incontinuity thing or not um and just kind of being afraid that that might step on the toes of what sheridan is doing i don't Um, think i feel like it's going to be just like this justice league infinity thing that came out or like the justice league last ride thing yeah yeah I was like, yeah. Infinity is specifically like the the animation tie-in, right? Right. Yeah. Um, but that too was meant to be digital first, and they changed it to. I right. believe they changed it to day and date. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. No this this book hits a lot of good emotional beats, like the part where where Mary comes to talk to him is really good. Um. Really like the stuff with Miguel. Um, it was a fun issue. Yeah, it was. All right, that brings us to our final issue of the night, Superman and the Authority, number one, written by Grant Morrison, illustrated by Michael Janine. Zach, start us off with this one. <laughs> this is like the perfect comic book. I love this so much. <laughs> um, I want to start off talking about Janine because I think that Janine is like such an underrated Superman artist. Um, ever since he did the um, whatever that Superman story that closed out the New Fifty Two was, what was it called? the The Last Days of Superman, yeah, the mm-hmm. Tomasi thing. He he did some issues on that, and I have thought that he is just like such a great Superman artist. Um, but he has been stuck in the the Batman the the slums of batman forever um so i'm like so glad that he is on this um i feel like this is like such a good thematic sequel to morrison's run on action comics yeah in a lot of ways and i love that yeah yeah it absolutely is this was um, kind of boring. No, what? shut up. What? Gosh. 
This was kind of boring, guys. Oh what? no! Okay. You're a madman, <laughs> Brian. You go. You go off. Yeah, Manchester Black thing. is not a good character, guys. Oh, I know you don't. Yeah, you don't Manchester like Manchester Black him. is not a good character. I think he's a good character here. No, he's not a good character here. He's. I think he is. He's. Uh, I, this was. This is a five out of ten for me. This was. Oh my this gosh. is. This looks beautiful. I, I. It has the most Morrisonian opening ever of like Superman and JFK talking. Like, I loved all of that, but the actual plot of this was boring. It's him trying to convince Manchester Black to like be his his partner in crime for twenty pages. I don't need that. Probably more than mm. that, but. This, but this, the, this this could have been the, this could have been one third of a comic, but it was a the whole issue. The dialogue is so good, though. The Manchester Black stuff is not. It's just him yelling and being like, you know, oh, mate, no. I think the I think the the lyricism is. I th- I think the the pacing and lyricism of the dialogue is very good. I think the art is incredible. The it's art so, is very good. Very the plot fun to look is at. very good. the 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 dialogue is very boring. Oh, I Th- this I, this to I, me this to me screams of this was supposed to be like a a, a two or maybe three issue thing. Like, oh, we need to be four. Got to pad it out. All right, I guess I can give Manchester a bunch of shit to say for no reason. Like it was. This was. This is not. I wanted to like this. I was so excited for this. And that's that's my honest opinion about it. I just think it's 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 super. This is the most decompressed Morrison I've ever read. That that might be true. You might be right when you say that. I just may be the lunatic you're looking for. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, you're not wrong. It's it, but man, context, like. I guess this is where context really matters because I think I was just dying for Morrison to do an issue like this after his Green Lantern run, mm-hmm. which I feel not only not only did that run Peter out. It definitely fell off. It fell off. It fell off like a certain <laughs> wave of series at Marvel fell off. Uh, it fell off. It became confusing, like almost intentionally so um i think liam sharp's art fell off at least the style of art that that he does that i favor versus the style that he sometimes does that i disfavor um so i think this was like a breath of fresh air which i will admit maybe colors my opinion of it more positively even than it would have been in other contexts you're right. It's it it does take a while to get to the point. Um, him trying to convince Manchester Black to join him, there, there's not a whole lot new being done there. Although I do think some of Superman's reactions to what he says are surprising because I think Morrison is writing. You may not like Manchester Black, and and there's nothing here with him that blows me away, but Morrison's take on Superman, where we know that Morrison knows Superman front to back, and I think this take where he's wearing the 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 future state 
costume that's kind of got the the um, Kingdom Come elements to it. His demeanor and disposition, like at at the at the same time that it is very much the Superman that we know that Morrison has written before. There's little things that he says here and there that that made me kind of step back and go, huh. This is like Morrison tweaking it just enough to kind of disturb me almost like there's times where like. You know, he says something about you still think privacy is a thing, Mr. Black, like Mm -hmm. little things like that, that coming from Morrison Superman's mouth surprised me a little not enough that they felt like they were out of character, but like uh, they said in interview, like I read a Morrison interview recently that talked about how um, they were trying to re-examine Superman as, you know, this promise that was not kept over decades. And I, I really think they nailed that, you know? Um, I don't disagree with any of that. I just think that the, I, I, I'm, I'm going to be a broken record here, but there's just, Manchester Black on this issue is like Mufasa from Austin Powers, where he has to ask him three <laughs> times and then he says yes. Like it's just Mustafa. Mustafa, sorry, yeah. Um, <laughs> Mufasa is the Mufasa. Father is someone here. else, yes. yeah. Uh, but like you know, um, it's just it's it's it, it smells like almonds. Yes, there is just there is not a lot. Of, there's a lot of interesting stuff in here, but that interesting stuff takes up so much less space than the stuff that I don't find that interesting. And and here is a critique of, of Morrison Superman that I think is not true until Action Comics, but I always felt that Morrison Superman, as of Action Comics onward, is not warm enough. That there's there's not enough heart and warmth there, and I think that is true of this Superman as well. Mm. That, I do think... I do think there's a through line from that Superman to this Superman. Mm-hmm. No, I, I, I'm not doubting yeah. that. But I, but again, like I don't. I think there there are interesting ways to tell that Superman story. But that's not my favorite Superman. So I guess part of my maybe reluctance to fully buy into this is I feel like I understood when Morrison was doing action that the idea was that he is growing into being Superman. And I think there's an interesting story to tell where you think he grew into something and has now grown out of it. You know, uh, I've interviewed a bunch of musicians who said, like, I would much rather listen to stuff from when I was 15 that I made than stuff that I made five years ago. Because you, you, you can look back on your past when it's far away and sort of see the good and the bad a lot easier than you can on stuff that's closer to you, like time-wise. So I could see this idea of Superman looking back and saying, I had it more right at the beginning than I did during the quote glory days or whatever. But I just think that a lot of the stuff that's good about this are subtextual or things that we are bringing to it and that we pick up on because we have read a shit ton of Morrison comics and a shit ton of Superman comics. I don't think that this issue, it lives up to either legacy well, that's the only reason I read comics anymore. <laughs> <laughs> but I think that, but I think that, like one of the things I try, I try to do is I try to be fair about the issues we read. You know, the yeah. thing about, the thing uh, about I can't do that with this though. The thing I about think with just, Morrison, it's unavoidable. Morrison yeah. is one of the few figures that you can say that about, but I think it's true. 
But sorry, go off. I, no, I mean, I, I just, I, I don't think that's fair, though. I mean, I think that, like, well, the, it's not fair. But I also had to read Blue and Gold this week, and that's right. not fair. But, but here, okay, but but Blue and Gold is a perfect example here, because if there were things, uh, in, yeah. What? what, what yeah. What am I gonna no, say? you're right. No, tell me. No, I, I agree with you. What am I saying? Well, I assume that you're saying it's the same conversation that we had earlier about bringing a Jurgens fan coming to a book like Blue and Gold and bringing certain things yes. and expecting certain things and yes. wanting to get a certain thing from that book. Yes, exactly. And like here we're doing it with Morrison. Yes. And Absolutely. again, I but, like a lot of the stuff in here. I just don't think this is a great issue. I genuinely think that this is probably the most interesting thing that Morrison has done at DC since Multiversity. Um, and I think that, you know, they don't have a lot of ground that they haven't already covered with Superman. But I think Morrison has managed to find that niche here and i am very interested to see where they go with it i think the idea first of all i'm i'm kind of fascinated by just the idea of beginning this with like superman going on some kind of bizarre time travel trip where he may be met with two different king arthurs and then jfk (laughs) (laughs) and didn't Uh, listen to any of them uh yeah yeah and didn't listen and then you know, all of the Justice League stories that we've ever heard happen and they fuck it up. And now we're here at the end of time, not not literally, but figuratively. And and Superman is is fading. He's losing his powers. He's he's kind of a, you know, a shadow of what he once was. And he brings in this character, this this he brings in Manchester Black, which represents a lot of, you know, different things. He he is a. He's a Constantine stand-in. He um, calls to mind, you know, the the Joe Kelly, what's so funny about truth, justice, and the American way, um, and and kind of the, all of the excess of that era of comics. And I think I think the the voice that Morrison gives to Manchester Black here is is. I mean, it's beholden to all those things, but it, to me, it still feels a, it's less of like a pastiche than it could be. I don't know. I, I did really like the, oh, I think it was from that same interview that Vince was talking about where Morrison talked about, um, he assigned two like pop culture figures to Manchester Black and Superman. I can't remember who they were, but I really liked that that dichotomy that that they mentioned in the interview. And I I, I do kind of like see that here. I don't know. I, I I'm coming into this completely unbiased or completely biased. I mean, but <laughs> like uh, unabashedly so. But this to me, this is what I wanted, and and maybe more so than what I even thought I wanted. Well, so here's here's the last thing I want to say about this for me. You guys can talk about this all night if you want to. But in I think it's the same interview you guys are talking about, Morrison talks about the idea of an evil Superman. And he says how that's bullshit because it's always like Lois dies and he goes crazy. And Morrison basically says, like, he's so much better than I am 
and I dealt with the loss of loved ones and I didn't right. like yeah. flip out, right? My parents died. Yeah, exactly. My, yeah. my parents died. I didn't I didn't go crazy or whatever. Um and I feel like this Superman is not an evil Superman, but no. he poison but he poisons Manchester Black. You know, so so I, I, I don't I just don't know what we're getting with the Superman, and that is exciting to me as a reader. But when does he poison Manchester Black? Don't you think at the end of that that he's like that's not he's not really I don't think Manchester Black is actually like sick because he didn't get alcohol. I think Superman he's not no. surprised at all by this. I think he is. I think that's DTs. <laughs> I don't know. It, it just seems to me like Superman is, is Superman planned that. Oh, I didn't read it that way at all. I read it that he's going through alcohol withdrawals. I mean, it it, it could be. I, I'm yeah, not that no, that, that's but... Superman bringing someone to his level, not poisoning him. Yeah, he gave him mineral water. Well, I know he gave him mineral water, yes. But... Well, I think that's all he gave him, though. Okay, I thought it was – I had yeah. to – because just because of how, how – um... No, that's a comedy. Casual, bit. he is. I don't know. I just, I there's something about the Superman that feels off to me, and that could I, be. I agree. That but could I be don't... exciting, or that could be frustrating. I don't know where it's going to go yet. Yeah, I agree. There is something that feels off, but I don't think there's anything that feels nefarious. No, it's a prag. It's a more pragmatic Superman than we're used to seeing, and that's by design. And I, I kind of love that. Yeah. I hope that future issues get their get the story going faster. And I, I do I do agree that if there's only four issues and this is how we spent the first one, I, I do agree it's a little more decompressed than than I would like, certainly. You're right about that. Especially because like if you look at the book and I have to say, like, you know, we have gone off about Jordi Belair a number of times as a colorist. But this book is it's very easy to sort of break this book into segments based on the sort of like overarching color theme of it. Like once we get past the initial once Manchester Black and Superman are together, you see there's the first part is very blue and then the second part becomes very green. And then all that but but basically each of those color sections feature the same conversation just in a different hue and that was really bothering me towards the end it's like just get to just get to it we know what's going to happen here just get to it so i i truly hope that the next three issues blow me away because like you said zach morrison hasn't done anything interesting at dc since the multiversity outside of maybe the first issue or two of green of the green lantern and that fell off quick and fell hard yeah, I um, I don't know. I I I really like this because it scratched the itches that I wanted. I I I w- yeah. I will agree that it is decompressed. I I don't think that it was. I don't think it suffered for it necessarily. Personally, but I I think I can I I can definitely give that. You know that's that's true. Um. Who do you think this uh, villain character is? Is this is this Lex? I think it has to be, right? I would think so. Yeah, I don't know, but seems likely. I'm I'm just letting it unfold. 
Now, I, I think I know the answer to this, and I'm not asking this because I want this in any way. Do you guys see any through line between this and All-Star Superman? I mean, no. with Mor- with Morrison, there's got to be. That's kind of inevitable in the whole, like, everything he does is in the meta narrative, basically. But I-, I don't see it just yet. Hey, I guess it depends on what you mean by, like, through line. I don't, I don't mean, I-, I think in the meta narrative, absolutely there's going to be a through line here. But, like, Morrison is one of these people that, like, all Batman stories happened. And, you yeah. know, but I can't see how this is the Superman that be- that eventually winds up like in the sun. No, I don't. I don't think that. Um. No, I don't necessarily think that. That that doesn't mean that that's not a good or a bad thing. I just wasn't sure if you guys thought that his that there rather, um, Batman sort of style of connecting everything was going to also be in play here. But it's it's obviously a very different type of story. Well, Vincey, what comes out next week? Um, so correct me if I'm wrong. I, I don't know if I'm looking at a list that's totally correct, but um, I've got Action Comics 1033, uh, Tech 1040, Superman Son of Kal-El number one. Did that get pushed or is... I, I believe that's. To... I believe it was pushed to that moment. Yes. Okay. All right. Uh, Batman, Superman, twenty. Sorry, these are out of alphabetical order. Also, um, Teen Can't Titans Academy. How mad you are. Shut the. <laughs> Teen Titans Academy number five. Wonder Woman seven seventy six. Harley Quinn five. Robin four. Infinite Frontier number three. What? Yep. Um, Mister Miracle: The Source of Freedom number three. Checkmate number two. Batman Secret Files Huntress number one. I think that's it for the Infinite Frontier uh, side of things. Okay. Um, it feels like um, Infinite Frontier is going to be a... I think this is going to sneak up on us every three weeks, but I love that it's yeah. coming out that frequently. Oh, yeah. It's fun. All right, well, thanks for listening, folks. We, as always, appreciate it. Um, please go to multiversitycomics.com for all your comics needs. If you have to get in touch with me or Zach, we are on Twitter. I am at Brian Needs an App. And I'm at Wilker Fox. And if you need to get in touch with Vince, he is uh, preparing minimal, mineral water from when I show up at his house and trying to uh, get me to uh, clean up my life. <laughs> you, you know if you're coming to my house, we're having an egg cream. Fucking A, we are. Yeah, baby. All right, folks. Have a good night. Take care. That's even worse, though, because then I have so many other options when I'm sitting <laughs> <It's true>. around there. <laughs> it's true. <laughs> if I'm going to the theater, I, that's, I'm watching a movie. But you, you, You've committed, yeah. I can't diddle myself at the theater. <laughs> I mean, you, <laughs> you, you, you can, Paul Rubens, but, uh, you know. <laughs> I, I can't do a peewee laugh, so. <laughs> have to... Yeah, there you go. There you go. Thank you. <laughs>